We have this treasure in earthen vessels, that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. Are you a broken vessel, weighted down with discouragement, illness, or perhaps a disability? Well, take heart. Whatever your burden may be, God offers treasures that will transform your life. Hello, dear listeners. You're listening to Broken Vessels, Hidden Treasures. And here are your hosts, Paul and Tabitha Norris. On today's episode of How Shall They Hear, we are thrilled to have special guests John and Diane Barr. John is the president of Silent Word Ministries for the Deaf, while his wife Diane works on Silent Word Ministries Executive Operating Board, and she assists in office operations. And having served as missionaries to the deaf since 1984, they have a wealth of experience in starting and strengthening deaf ministries. John and Diane, thank you for sharing your time with us. We're very excited to learn more about your ministry and especially to hear your words of wisdom and advice on reaching the deaf for Christ. Well, thank you for having us on your podcast. We really appreciate that. And we're very excited to be here. (laughs) Well, we want to start with, can you describe who are the deaf and what is their culture like? Well, deaf people are a, uh, a group of people that do have a culture and they do have a language. Many people think that their language is just our uh, English put into signs, but um, they they meet the qualifications of like being a missionary type group, a group that needs to be reached. Uh, they don't have a, a one location, but they have a language and they have a culture. Mm-hmm. And deafness worldwide is an interesting thing. Deafness tends to isolate these people from their family, from their friends, from others in general, and because of that, they grow up thinking a certain way and develop certain cultural traits. Um, deafness is a, is a culture built around, I guess you could say it this way, a, a language inequality. Uh, they're, they're not able to communicate effectively with hearing people, although they can communicate among themselves very effectively. And the reason is that, that hearing people don't know sign language or are not accustomed to, to uh, communicating in a visual method. Hmm. Uh, the, the language isolation creates a lot of misunderstanding. And so deaf people in their culture, they value clarity. They value clear communication, uh, understanding. Of course, everybody wants to understand, but, right. but deaf face that a lot and face the misunderstanding. And so they, they value clarity. Um, and, and culturally, typically, they grow up where, where their their parents don't know sign language. So even as children, they can't ask their parents questions that you know we would just think are normal questions. They they, they can't do that. Hmm. And um, they they grow up in a um, as trying to adapt to um, to their their surroundings. Cautious of hearing people. Um, they're very group oriented people. And, um, and there are other non-dominant culture groups. They're, they kind of fit into that category of being a non-dominant culture. So they're gonna, their culture, um, generalizing is dangerous, but, <laughs> but their culture tends to bow to the wishes of uh, hearing people's culture wherever they are. Now, I was just thinking everybody that has disabilities, they have their, their own unique challenges. What, 
Could you go a little further with what you just said? What are challenges? What are some other challenges that are unique to the deaf? Uh, well, um, the communication creates some of the biggest challenges. Mm -hmm. And um, like even when they're raising hearing children, uh, most deaf people have children that are hearing. I guess some of the statistics would be that 10% of deaf people are born to deaf, to deaf parents. And so the deaf people that have hearing children, those children can, can get away with a lot. And, and, the, and the parents don't realize it. it takes, it's quite a challenge trying to raise uh, children with uh, being deaf. Mm -hmm. And um, you know, other challenges that they face would be they, they can't really get um, information as quickly and readily as, as we do. We have a, a few years ago in our town, Trenton, Georgia, there were some tornadoes that came through. And one of the deaf men that lives nearby, uh, somebody just grabbed him and said, get inside. And he said, why? You know, and he was, they were trying to communicate with us. And they, they said, they tried to communicate, there's a tornado coming. <laughs> and so they got him inside and, um, and he actually ended up uh, not being hurt at all. And we were very thankful for that. Yeah. But he didn't get that communication like everybody else in town got it. I mean, he, was just, he didn't have any idea that was a problem. And so anything that relates to communication is a challenge. Deaf people have to have interpreters for when they go to the doctor. You, you can imagine, you know, you go to the doctor and you're going to have a private conversation and here's this other person sitting there watching this conversation. Right. right. Wow. <laughs> um or, um, you know, if you're going to do closing on a house or um, they needed like They needed for uh, interpreters just for normal, everyday things, too, like even um, getting a letter from somebody and they don't understand it. Or, as I was already mentioned, talking with your parents, with your family and things like that. And so a lot of them will use, generally use today, different technology devices to be able to talk with them because they cannot talk with them directly. Right. So there's a lot of um, opportunity there for misunderstandings then because of the um, problems with not with the communication not being direct, going through someone else. Right. Hmm. And then, you know, there's lots of stories of, uh, with their family, and I think this is one of the saddest things is that, that they – because they can't communicate with them, they're often, you know, kind of left out of, of everything that's even in the family going on. They might not know um, relationships in the family. They go to a family reunion, and there's these, all these people around, and they don't know who they are, aunts, uncles, cousins, brothers, uh, you know, whatever. They don't know them, and, and the, they'll come up to them and, and try to, you know, smile and say hi and things like that, but there's just very limited communication many times, um, even in family situations. Also, culturally, um, the, we find that deaf people are more uh, closely related to their deaf friends than they are family. Uh, we know one family that has, how many kids is that? Uh, they have 11 kids. It's a deaf husband, deaf wife, and 11 deaf kids. Wow. <laughs> and uh, um, well, deaf and hard of hearing, there were a couple that were, they were somewhat hard of hearing instead of deaf. And uh, he was telling me, sitting in his chair at home when he's trying to get somebody's attention, he had little bean bags that he would toss <laughs> in the direction of somebody he wanted to call. 
because you, you think about it, everything's visual. Right. And if a deaf child is looking away from, um, from you, how do you get their attention? So he would pick something nice and soft and he would throw it their way and then tell them to bring it back to him and he'd have his conversation. <laughs> that was yeah, a creative way of doing it. <laughs> yeah. And when we're, when we are in a room with deaf people and we're trying to get everybody's attention, we just flash the lights mm. and everybody hearing thinks, Oh, the lights are going off. Something's wrong. And the deaf are just looking around, seeing who's trying to communicate. Right. And uh, generally the person standing right by the lights is waving his hands and everybody <laughs> looks over at him. Nice. So, John and Diane, since you're both hearing, uh, a curious question we have is, how did you get a burden for the deaf? Well, I guess I came first in that. Um, back when I was in elementary school, I met a, a a deaf boy. My mom and his mom were friends. We'd met at the YMCA. We were doing swimming lessons together. And uh, and Steve Manning was the first deaf man, I a deaf boy I'd ever met. And his brother kind of helped us communicate. We went over to each other's house and we played kids games, you know, and mm-hmm. uh, run around the woods with toy guns and stuff. And, and his brother um, would help us interpret, uh, you know, be able to communicate. But then later, I, my family moved from Knoxville, Tennessee, where that was, down to Florida, Orlando area, and um, got away from any deaf people. And then as a, a senior in high school, uh, someone from the Bill Rice Ranch came and taught sign language at our church. And when uh, when that happened, I said, you know, I've always wanted to do that. I'll just learn sign language. Little did I know that after just one week of signs that I'd become an interpreter. <laughs> and that was back in 1976, and so the standards for interpreters were a lot less back then. And uh, we began interpreting in our church, and then I went to, to uh, college. I went to Bob James University, and my freshman year there, I was studying music, and uh, the Lord just really got a hold of my heart at one particular uh, evening. I was walking back to my room, and um, as as it would be, you know, I, I didn't hear a voice or anything, but it sure was very clear the Lord wanted me to work with the deaf, and so I surrendered to do that mm-hmm. and um, changed my major and began working along that line with uh, with the deaf. But I've had a little inter- interaction with deaf people up to that point, and uh, it's just a very needy group of people, and uh, it wasn't a an emotional type call. It was a very definite. The Lord wants me to work with the deaf, and so okay, I'll do that. Wonderful. And uh, wow. from, from that time, I did. In fact, one of the <laughs> one of the first things that happened there, and this is kind of how Diane and I got um, got connected. We were um, we when we were. Uh, my first semester there, I'd surrendered to work with a deaf. So the second semester, I went back and I said, I'd like to teach a class here. Can I can I teach a sign language class? And I didn't know freshmen don't teach classes in universities, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, they and they said, what are you talking about? I said, well, God's given me this call, and I just want to do something with it. And so they said, let's think about that a while. And they came back and they said, well, we'll give you a class. It's extracurricular. It's after hours. You don't get paid. The students don't pay for the class. We'll order the books you want and have at it. Wow. And um, so for the next seven semesters, I taught sign language there as an extracurricular basis. And uh, actually, the first class, when they made the announcement in chapel and we had everything ready, the first class we had, there were over 100 students. And that wow. is phenomenal. 
Yeah. And I had only had one year of sign language. Wow. <laughs> so, uh, you know, I, I think the call had to be pretty strong for me to do that, although at the time I didn't think anything of it. Right. Because it was what we should have done. And then Diane was in one of my classes. So actually, my story starts back uh, my freshman year there at school also, and I knew that the Lord had called me to mission, but I didn't have any real direction as to a people group or to a place or anything like that. Just I just knew it needed to be missions, and I wasn't sure what it would be like. Hmm. So um, a little bit later, when Don was teaching his second semester of sign language classes, I took the class. But I happened to be, I was a little bit ahead of him, so I was on staff at that time. And I had a whole bunch of other things going on. I was working full-time and was taking two or three other classes and all. And so, actually, I was one of the first dropouts. <laughs> I said, I've got to drop something. I don't have time for all this stuff, and I'll probably never use that sign language. And so <laughs> I dropped out of the class. <laughs> but uh, but it wasn't too much later until we started dating uh, a little bit and. um I was kind of wondering, Lord, is, is this really a mission field or, you know, should I not be dating John? What should, what is the situation here? And um, I went to visit in his, with his family and all, and then with his home church where they did have the deaf ministry. And it was there as I met deaf people that I, I realized, you know, here's a people group that have a different language and they have a different culture and they need the Lord. And, you know, what better definition could you have of a mission field? And uh, I think the Lord used that, uh, my understanding of that, and, and then brought us together through through that. Diane's first signing his class was, um, and I had that one-week class where she had a two-day class, a Friday night and all day Saturday. Um, but, but she didn't get up to do any kind of interpreting or signing for about six months. So... <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but she got, we, we've been involved in the deaf ministry together ever since then. That is neat. I love that. Can you tell us a little bit about American Sign Language? Is it the same as English? Is it difficult to learn? Well, it's a, uh, it's a visual language. And so as a visual language, there's, there are many ways that you communicate other than just a word or a sign. Uh, eyebrow raises, uh, head tilts, um, the way you place your body, uh, the posture that you use, the way you use your eyes, whether you look at people or look away, or um, just how you use your eyes and and really everything about you is part of the language. There's there's grammar actually for how you move your mouth, and there's grammar for how you raise your eyebrows. Believe it or not, <laughs> and. Um, and we teach some of those classes in some of our uh, our ministry, but uh, the language is uh, is actually a language. And so you'd say something in English. I, I probably use the same illustration everywhere I go. But if you were to say in in English, uh, "Would you go to church with me on Sunday?" You could sign every one of those words. Would you go church with me Sunday? And then draw a question mark after it. Mm-hmm. But in phone language, we would phrase that differently. We would say Sunday and then pause and say church and pause and say you and me, pause, and then go to. And and then you raise your eyebrows for the question mark. You don't actually draw a question mark. And that way of communicating would be more clear to a deaf person than if we signed, would you go to church with me on Sunday? Hmm. 
So it's its own language. Right. Because of that, a lot of hearing people that are learning it, at first, you know, they look at it as a, a you know, this is so different from English. It's just, it's not, you can't say as many things as you want to say. You, you can't be as clear and all, but the act, actually the opposite is true because you're using all those other things of your body to mm-hmm. make the clarity of the sentence rather than just, you know, word by word signing, uh, word, signing each word that you would could say in right. English. Right. I found over the years, just kind of observed in their classes and all that, that those who do really well in English or those who are um, sticklers for English, English teachers, they tend not to do as well in American Sign Language because they're they're trying to think English, and you can't mm-hmm. think English. You kind of have to change things around a little bit. Mm-hmm. Wow. It's um, on language kind of thing. Yeah. Um, in, in classwork, if you, in about 20 to 30 hours of classwork or training, you can be pretty conversational if, you know, you wouldn't use what you, what you learn. Mm-hmm. But then um, we have a friend, one of our first students actually that, has uh, she's now uh, this was I guess back in the early 80s we taught her sign language and now she has her doctorate degree in sign language and um, she's a, a professor at a college and um, but even even at that level having a PhD she still has to go get continuing education units to maintain certification and uh, skills and just mm-hmm. developing so it's a it's a very complex or very full language, I should say. Mm-hmm. But, but but starting off, like you said, you can learn a lot quickly to be able to start your communication with the deaf, mm-hmm. uh, and then from there, you know, constantly learning more and more to be able to make it more clear for them, so that the communication can can meet all the needs that they have and and reach out into the various areas where you can be a part of their their lives and have an influence and an impact on them. Right. Yeah, some some um, hearing people say, I can sign anything I want to to a deaf person, but when they talk back to me, I don't get anything. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's a little harder to watch it and, and make You just have to kind of open your mind to visual. Mm-hmm. So since ASL is deaf people's primary language and English is a second language to a lot of them, is it easy for them to read the Bible? Is that, is that kind of something that's accessible to them, or is it kind of difficult for them? Well, uh, it's pretty difficult. Uh, the The average deaf person, when we talk in, in, in groups of deaf people, we ask them questions about reading the Bible, and uh, they give us answers. They, they'll they say, yeah, it's, it's pretty challenging. Just English word order in the first place is, is a challenge. And then some of the vocabulary that is not as uh, prevalent today uh, or the ways of saying things that, you know, even we as hearing people don't use certain ways of saying things that used to be said. Right. Uh, it, it can be kind of a challenge. A good example for, for us as hearing people to understand is uh, we were to say, okay, we're all going to learn German. And tomorrow morning you get up and you have your devotions in German. <laughs> and that kind of puts it in perspective. Right. I can't say Spanish because, you know, <laughs> people do Spanish today. Right. But if you were to say something in another language like that, like, oh, wow, that's, that'd be hard. Yeah. <laughs> and 
And even deaf people, they'll understand a word or a sentence. They'll see what you signed. They'll know what you what signs you used, and they'll nod yes. But but knowing what you meant by what you said hmm. is a challenge. One of the things also with that is, um, you know, with with deaf people as they learn to read English, most of the words are. I mean, basically all the words are just sight words. Uh, there are no phonics in in uh, sign language and all. So what happens here is that there's a lot of miscommunication again or misunderstanding because, you know, words look very similar to something that they know, but it doesn't make sense in that sentence because it's not that's not the word that it is. It's just similar to it. Hmm. And so they can get easily confused there, or they can even give you a sign for something. Maybe you're you're spelling something and you're not sure a sign for it, and they'll give you that sign and uh, what they think it is, but they gave you an incorrect sign because they misunderstood your spelling and all, because, again, they were thinking of a word that was very similar, but not the same. Right. Early in our ministry, I was teaching a, a lesson, and it was a phrase, gird up the loins of your mind. <laughs> and so I wrote the word loins on the board. And um, at that time, I guess it was a blackboard, <laughs> and uh, wrote that word up there. And I said, "What is the sign for this word? What does this mean?" And somebody immediately signed lions. Mm. Ah. L i o n or L o i n. Right. And just because they sound very different, but if you look at the words, well, yeah, I can see how that could get confused. Right. right. Yeah. But English can be a challenge. Yeah. Uh, yeah. The, you know there are there are um, attempts today to um, put the Bible in sign language, and and we're very grateful for those who do that to make the Bible understandable. Mm-hmm. Uh, but but being a visual language, uh, maybe it'd be good to explain the difference between uh, interpreting and and translating, mm-hmm. because translating the Bible, you take a language and you take the uh, the equivalent of that in another language, and you 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 um, put that down on paper and you make it make the make the second version exactly like the first version. And so you can pretty much say, well that's a good translation. And then it can be verified. It can be looked back on and you say, yes, that's good or that's this needs to sort of be tweaked and all. In sign language, what we do when we sign the Bible in in a church even, we can sign all the words, but that's like we said is that's not understood usually. Hmm. So then we interpret and interpreting is giving the meaning of something. So we depart from the actual text that was there, and we sign it in a way that the deaf will understand. The, the Bibles that are being produced, and by the very nature of sign language this happens, is that they're not the exact words of the Bible. And so they're, the attempts are to try to make the Bible understandable, and we appreciate that. Mm-hmm. Um, but... Um, there is a need still to, to teach English and teach the, the written languages and study those languages because of the resources that are, I mean, study the, the English tools, concordances and um, Bible dictionaries and things right. to help us understand the Bible better, help us explain it to deaf people and help them understand it better. Absolutely, yeah. If we're new to deaf ministry, meaning... Maybe we haven't really had exposure to the deaf community, or we don't know much sign language. Could you give us tips on how we might be able to overcome 
any intimidations we might have about that and just start building friendships with the deaf? Your your term there, building friendships, is exactly what you need to do to, to get started with deaf people, to realize that they are, you know, individuals and they are relational people. They You can get into their world mostly by being around them and spending time with them, getting to know them and uh, getting to, you know, show that you are concerned about them and all. And as you spend time, any kind of time with them, you'll maybe start off by writing things back and forth with each other or just, just uh, you know, gesturing, just pointing in different places and things, and you'll, you'll start communicating. And as you start, and then as you have that, that burden for them and you're starting to communicate and all this, this, it'll grow a lot. And the big thing is to not fear that, just to, to continue with it and to realize, again, the needs that they have as a people or as a person. And, you know, a lot of that is a friendship and uh, not fearing trying to communicate with them. I know that um, in learning the language, one of the things that um, often happens is that we're fearful of using that little bit that we know Mm because we know that we're going to make mistakes and we know that they're not going to understand completely and everything. And so we just, you know, kind of back off. At least some of us do. Right. Some are a little bit more outgoing. And so they, and they're usually the faster learners. But for many of us, it's kind of to hang back a little bit and wait and see, you know. And, and that will uh, stunt or hinder our, our understanding of the language and our, and our communication with them. So the better, the more we just kind of jump in there with them and, and try to talk to them and try to get to know them the better that experience will be and the more we'll be able to communicate. We'll go where they are, be around them uh, in, in the events that they have in their community. Like a lot of, um, a lot of cities will have a deaf group meeting in a mall for, for a, a meal or something, or uh, even like at Starbucks, they'll have a, a deaf coffee time once a month where deaf get together just to talk and just be around each other. Oh. And uh, those are good times to go and just get to know that people. And mm-hmm. you'll meet a wide variety of people. You'll see a wide variety of topics talked about. And uh, just don't be afraid to introduce yourself and tell them you're new. They'll know you're new. <laughs> but, <laughs> you know, just start with that, and they'll, they'll interact with you on your new level. Mm-hmm. That, that's one thing about culture. You mentioned culture a while ago. Deaf, mm-hmm. deaf culture adapts to whatever the... Uh, the listener or the viewer is using. So if a deaf person sees you using simple signs, then they'll tend to use simple signs with you to try to help you, draw you in. Mm-hmm. And uh, but, but just don't be afraid of it. Just uh, smile and move forward and then laugh at yourself when you're making mistakes. <laughs> That's good advice. Yeah. Well, kind of along those lines, you know, when you get in a situation, um, when you're meeting new deaf people, what are some points of etiquette to remember to make them feel at ease? Like if someone were to come into the church or even in that situation where you uh, need to communicate you're new and you don't know, you know, you're kind of apprehensive. What are some ways that you can, or some etiquette that we can apply? Well, start back with the, the friendly part and just, and just jump in to say, uh, you know, be willing to say hi and take your time is, is one of the big things is don't try to hurry things along. And uh, if you make them feel 
comfortable around you, they will make you feel comfortable around them. Mm. Um, but um, don't don't worry about eye contact with hearing people. We don't want to look people in the eye or stare at them. But the nature of sign language is you have to look. And so um, don't be hesitant to look. But if you're if you're um, like if you're in a, uh, an area where there's some deaf people over in a little section and you want to kind of get in there and and communicate, uh-huh. go ahead and make eye contact with them. And then then you can walk up and explain in any way that you can that you're learning signs. And um, there, there's nothing wrong with that. Deaf people will, if they want to have a private conversation, they'll go to another room or they'll turn away from you mm. to kind of hide their signs. Because it's all visual, so everybody sees everything everybody's talking about. Right. A wave and a smile goes a long way. And then there's also one of the most common ways to get uh, a deaf person's attention if you're close to them and I'll us to tap them on the shoulder. Uh, they're very used to that because that's what that's what they do amongst themselves as well as with uh, any others and all. You just tap them on the shoulder and wait for them to turn and look at you and then you can speak to them. And um, so that's kind of the, the normal way. And then, of course, if you're at a distance waving at them and um, telling, you know, when you get their attention, just the thing of ta- telling them that you are new, but also that, that uh, you just wanted to meet some deaf people. You just wanted to talk to some deaf people and get to know them and know their language a little bit. You know, it, it's a good time, thing to do. The um it's interesting. Diane and I, over the years, have uh, we found a TV program called Sue Thomas FBI. And it's a really clean, very neat little program. And uh, the actress that Sue Thomas is deaf. Mm-hmm. And it's based on a true story. Um, they they did a lot of the drama, you know. That was they made up a lot of the drama, but it's based on a true story. A lady named Sue Thomas who went to the FBI to, to work. And um, they have a lot of interesting etiquette, deaf culture, uh, things in there that are just phenomenal. And Diana are watching it again as we have time. And um, we saw an episode recently that somebody said um, uh, they met Sue, and she said, "Well, I'm deaf." And they said, "Oh, I'm so sorry." Like <laughs> you don't say that. <laughs> they're they're very. Um, um, they're they're proud to be deaf, really. I mean, it's a cultural thing. You know, I'm I'm deaf, and you hearing people are weird. <laughs> <laughs> and that's that's an important fact. That many times, the hearing people look at deafness as something that's broken. They can't mm-hmm. use their ears. They can't hear them for them. And that's right. not what it is at all for the deaf people. They're you know that's their culture. That's who they are, and mm-hmm. they get along just fine that way. Obviously, again, we've mentioned that the miscommunications and things, but uh, as far as the, who they are and all, it has nothing to do with being a, a handicap. It's not a mental handicap like mm-hmm. many people have a tendency to think. Uh, and all, it's, it's a people group, and they they are who they are. You know, in the in feeling comfortable around that people, they, you know, they don't, they can hear how they're sounding, so they may use their voice. And when they do, it sounds odd, and... Um, or it could sound odd. Some people, some deaf people can use their voice very well. Mm-hmm. But um, when it sounds odd, you just have to not let that bother you and um, just move past it because um, it doesn't mean that they're not able to communicate. They're just trying their best to communicate with you. Right. 
that really opens our eyes to the needs of the deaf community. Dear listeners, are you willing to use your hands and skills to further the gospel? Be sure to join us on the next episode with John and Diane Barr to learn how you can make a difference. Thanks for tuning in today to Broken Vessels, Hidden Treasures. It is our hope and prayer that you will find the grace and goodness of God even in trials. We'd love to hear from you, and your feedback is important to us. You can reach out to Paul and Tabitha with comments, questions, or to share an episode with a friend in need through our website at bvhtministries.org.